0: But I think the best way I have of describing it is that I'm more whole. Yeah, just have a, a depth of life that sort of eluded me.
1: I can sit in spaces that I couldn't before. Reflecting, I just notice how much more peace and happy I am. But I notice the differences because of how people respond reactions, or maybe how I'm reacting
2: to situations that it comes to light, the shift for me. I don't think that I could say it was like an on off switch. But it was like water slowly coming to a boil. Uh, After going through very difficult parts of my life. uh, I would get to a point and say, you know, it's because of that happening to me that I am where I am now
1: it really struck me because it wasn't a fake smile either that somewhere here in all of the suffering she was gonna find something to be grateful for so that her daughter could rise above it and it, it just it just sort of reminds me
3: of this uh, I just feel like it's really like relevant in this year in particular, right? Like, because I feel like a lot of people are just like feeling the tension of 2020 and like, you know, every, all the pandemic and all the things that are happening. But it's just like when we all get together and talk about it as like fuel for our growth and like how to work and how to surrender, it's just so refreshing. We're like, we're letting that tension lift us up. And that's that like warmth, it feels like.
4: You know, that feeling of the warm thing is when my practice starts working on me and working within me, and that fear just starts to dissolve. And, you know, and that is really no small gift, Um, this dissolution of fear. Um, And it makes me feel like Things are as they are, like I can be in my life as it is, and I can be with people as they are, and I can reach higher and love more and fear less.
5: Namaste and welcome. In this episode, we discuss the experience of putting your spiritual growth ahead of your limited perceptions of daily life. What we see is that the experienced practitioner, the person who's put some time into this practice, not coming at it from their head, but from their experience, they begin to recognize that this type of work is not a negation of reality, it's not a pushing away of your challenges, but an expansion of awareness that empowers us to use our life as fuel for enlightenment. This kind of practice opens the door for the highest potential of any situation to come to fruition let's get started so, um, before we jump into the actual sutra I have been enjoying uh, taking the first moment of class to talk about um, this concept that we're really trying to cultivate in our practice of feeling our philosophy feeling your philosophy philosophys always a pattern of them you know it's it's a book right it's words you gotta listen you gotta talk you gotta read Babaji keeps telling us and, and the sutras keep telling us feeling is how we're gonna understand it and so yet another just sort of fun quote it's been one a uh, one a session now for a while this one from Babaji Shambhavananda my growth has allowed me to let go of a lot of understanding because the need to understand was the thing that was binding me and I had no peace. The need to understand was the thing that was binding me. You know, we should let our work today funnel directly into our breath Funnel directly into our heart funnel directly to our experience of our practice um, and not let the um, Filter filtration system of the mind, you know slow us down Um, The mind which which has to make everything look a certain way according to our previous patterns can make a lot of these concepts almost impenetrable But when we start to breathe with them feel them relate to them experience them Suddenly they're allowed to nourish us. They can get inside and they can really help us grow so today may we all let go of understanding and Let go of that binding pressure it has on us and find peace through our our work and our sutra And so as we jump in um, I Hope all of you are enjoying these as much as we are But we really do get get gain a lot from a little bit of movement practice before we jump into the text a little way to connect with your Your body your breath with the room that you're in the physical present and so we're gonna do our what we call intro surfing It's a practice of feeling inwardly with very subtle movements that really help you to get into the present And so we'll do this for about two minutes, and then we'll jump right into the text
0: So if you're not in gallery mode, go to the upper right corner and switch to gallery mode because um, I've been really enjoying watching Dharma rock Gabriel. Mm, mm. (laughs) And so I think even if you don't know Dharma, you can tell right away who I'm talking about. Hi, thanks, Dharma. Um, I guess it helps that we're all labeled in the corners. Um, And so take a moment. It's like so natural. As you see Dharma and Gabriel, to almost want to like rock with them. And just let yourself follow that, that like sweet, loving like mirror. And then close your eyes. And instead of being the one doing the rocking, imagine your. You are in this like loving cradle just gently being moved and held and supported and you're simultaneously the one making the movement and being supported. you go to this inward space slow down your movement move twice as slow and just notice if that helps you become just a little bit more aware of the space between your skin this inside world imagine sensing all of your trillions of cells just gently being held and cradled and lovingly rocked by you. And the movement can be as large or as small as feels comfortable and natural, but really try to actually feel all the space of your being Moving. And then let the movement get smaller and smaller and imagine instead of rocking from side to side as you move towards center the movement almost becomes like up and up. Now it can be physical, it can be energetic. Just imagine that that energy is expressing itself now vertically. And then eventually allow the body to come to rest at this perfect equilibrium, still held and cradled by your consciousness. And just fully alert and awake. And from there inner space of awareness, we can dive into our sutra.
5: You're welcome to chant along with me. Jagrat Dvitya Kara Jagrat Dvitya Kara It's a little breath at the end of that H. Dvitiya Kara. You can try it on your own a couple of times, just as a mantra, mm. muttering it. Yes. Dvitiya
1: <inaudible> mm. Kara.
5: Lakshman Jee's translation: mm. The waking state is another form of their real nature of consciousness they being the practitioner the yogi the waking state is another form of their real nature of consciousness i grabbed a couple more sentences from the beginning of the sutra that continue to say the same thing in slightly different ways wakefulness is not other than their own nature it is another formation of their universal consciousness Lakshmanju, um, you know he's very uh, elaborating in his translations so the literal translation of this sutra is very very short very quick but he uh, elaborates in a lot of really productive and helpful ways The first of which is describing that what what we mean here by wakefulness is all of the states of awareness that we've talked about before. Waking, dreaming, and deep sleep. Meaning the state of awareness of your day. The state of awareness of your thoughts that happen inside. And then even the very subtle state of awareness of almost like that standby mode of your mind which... We rarely talk about because it just doesn't come up a lot in everyday practice. But this is just referring to every state of your awareness is this waking state, consciousness, that they're talking about. Every way your awareness manifests is the real nature of consciousness, is not different than your own nature, and is the formation of universal consciousness.
0: can i ask for a clarification please, do, please uh, do so even if you're unconscious
5: mm-hmm.
0: y- this is you're still and oh okay yeah, sorry that's okay. awesome we'll you're save we'll save going that one right to the end <laughs> of
5: the sutra actually with that one <laughs> but no, Rewind. That's a, no that's a, it's, it's true though actually it, it, it's a little different at the end of the sutra with that but unconsciousness you're asking about hmm
0: like well. even if you don't know that mm-hmm. this is happening and mm-hmm. you're not conscious of it in
5: the sutra towards the end he talks about if someone is is mad the way he puts it like not angry mad but like they're i don't know the way we're supposed to talk about it you, you don't say crazy anymore but like yeah. if well it's tough i don't know the way we're, you guys know what i'm talking about uh, if you're losing your awareness let's say just dementia or something like that but you know you're losing it, and you're able to say, like, you know, my memory is not what it used to be kind of thing, that kind of expression. I, that's, that's actually a nice way of putting it because I think that's something more of us can relate to. When you have that realization of something is not what it used to be, later in the sutra, he says, you are in a state of awareness in that moment, and therefore mm-hmm. you have lost nothing. But it's the person who doesn't know they've lost something, doesn't know they're unconscious. In that state, then we have lost awareness of consciousness, and that state would be the state we're trying to all rise out of with our practice. In fact, you could say we're all in that state all the time, and it's our practice that allows us to even be aware of it. So that's a good question. So it's depending on whether you're aware of your unconsciousness. There are there any other inspired comments or questions just right off the bat? We are going to, you know, start looking at the sutra, of course. All right, so let's talk for a moment. I'm always sort of quick, so raise your hand and stop me anytime <laughs> you want. But let's talk for a moment where we're coming from okay so um, the last sutra was sort of taking us through remember we talked a lot about it but like about different levels of awareness about using the path to achieve your goal and then even letting go of the tool that got you there in order to truly merge with awareness beyond the limitations of even your mind or the the practice that got you there so that's a that's a big big deal um we worked with that you know we're always working on that in fact in the last class we really approached this these bigger questions of like i can pull myself to the present but then what you know and this then what what is this next level after after the present or after your you know once you've established your practice and you're using your practice what's that next level well that next level was described as like merging with Shiva, supreme God consciousness. And this sutra says, sort of starts from, <laughs> starts from there, like, okay, now that you've done that. <laughs> <laughs> Check. <laughs> Which I'm going to talk about this. It, it's not really a black or white thing here. I mean, none of us are like achieved. And even when you achieve, it, you have to keep achieving it. So he says, after achieving the state of pure knowledge, which was this merging beyond the mind with pure awareness, the yogi, they are always aware of their universal consciousness. So for such a yogi, the waking state is the second form of their establishment of being. So this gives you a little perspective on where we're coming from. We're saying that you've done practice, that you're working at your practice every day, that you're dipping into pure awareness at some point in your practice, as anyone who's willing to do the work can and will do. And so once you've dipped into that pure awareness, dipped into it enough times, I think all of us can attest to the fact that your life changes a little bit. Not because you're changing your life externally, but because your awareness of life is shifting, because you're dipping into pure consciousness a little bit every day, and and there's a shift that begins to occur where... The waking state meaning like the thoughts in your head your desires the things you must have the tensions that come up in your day All these things start to take a back seat to your practice You're no longer drawn 100% into those tensions But rather you notice the tension and then suddenly you start to work with it And the work becomes the foreground and your life becomes that which you are working on which you could say would be the second form. It says, or the background, or you know that which you're working on.
2: Mm.
5: So this is not out of our league here. This is very much um, something I think each of us has has worked with and and has, can recognize in our own practice.
0: I wonder if it would be please fun, yeah. fun for people to. Like reflect a little bit individually of that experience that Satyam's talking about of, you know, as you start to dive into your spiritual life and your spiritual practice, like how did your life change? You know, what things like shifted or fell away or uh, were born? I know... um, it's just sort of uh, rewarding to to acknowledge, you know, those things that happen naturally without you, like, fighting and forcing. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right, So maybe we could just... Does yeah. that sound like a fun thing to reflect on? <laughs> uh, okay. So let's just take a couple of minutes to um, feel with that. And if you do want to journal a little bit.
5: Yeah, I love, let's actually take a minute and a half. Like let's really take it note rush, just enjoy it, reflect internally, journal a little bit, put those feelings on paper. It'll help you uh, actually hear them. And then we'll check back in. And because I'm always like the kind of person that can't tell when a minute and a half is really up, I'm just going to put it up there and we'll see how this feels. Take your time.
0: And, um, of course, this reflection time is just for you, but um, if anybody feels inspired to share, uh, it's so powerful to open up and connect. You can just raise your hand or unmute yourself if you, f- if you feel inspired. Mm-hmm. And is here. You can't see. Oh,
5: Anju, oh. Go ahead. I
0: thought that might be the arm reaching forward, but then nothing happened. So, yay. Thanks, Anju. Please share. Guys, um, you know, in sitting with this, like I can
3: say how this has really come to fruition in my life isn't at all what I would have expected if you'd asked me this question when I started
0: this year. Um, but I think the best
3: way I have of describing it is that I'm more whole. Hmm. And yeah, just have a a depth of life that
6: Hmm.
3: sort of eluded me. I can sit in spaces that I couldn't
6: and like
5: really be in life in a completely different way. Thanks Anju. I'm just letting that sort of marinate. More whole. It's a, it's a, it's a, it almost sounds like an, an oxymoron at first, but it's something <laughs> you totally can um, experience. And it does refer to that idea of um, not identifying so much with that which uh, limits us, but starting to shift to have limitation being the second form of your being, something you're working on and, and really identifying more with this wholeness that you're working from and working towards, like this state, and not being so dragged around by... each fluctuation of our mind or of our reality, the waking state has become second, not first.
0: One other thing that I heard you share, Anju, uh, that I think a lot of us can relate to, um, hi Jaya, welcome, um, is how you never could have predicted like, Mm -hmm. how it would unfold, and it is this, like, um, capacity to stop, like, controlling and and making things uh, be a certain way, but, like, this unfolding and allowing, um, and that, like, when you're in that inner space, like, the transformation that occurs is so far beyond, like, what we could have imagined, you know, so it's, like, as Baba talks about, like, it's, Allowing what's possible to start to emerge. So that's so cool that you're like in that space beyond what you could have ever imagined.
5: Hmm. Anonymous. I think for me, I don't. It's not like
1: a light, light bulb went off in the middle of a dark room it's been such a slow process so when i was reflecting i just noticed how much more at peace and happy i am but i noticed the differences because of how people respond to me it's more an external reaction in whether it's positive or sometimes it's the opposite (laughs) so uh, but it's it's more it's just sort of reactions or maybe how i'm reacting to situations that it comes to light the shift for me. Mm. Mm,
0: that's such a good point anandama you know like we're in it and so it's hard to have that barometer when we're just like slowly experiencing this transformation but then when there's like a situation that we've been in before and and then it unfolds completely differently it's so nice to have those um those gauges of like oh wow that was smoother (laughs) <laughs> than it used to be. You know, the holidays, wow, what a great opportunity we have coming up, though these holidays are gonna be um, unlike any holidays we've ever experienced, but Babaji always talks about how the holidays like kick up stuff for people in different patterns, so it could be a really nice opportunity for each of us, you know, to come with fresh eyes and maybe notice um, how how we have grown, slowly over time, or really quickly. I mean, <laughs> that's possible, too, but. <laughs>
5: oh, yeah, thanks. And I think that your comment on reactivity is really uh, a good um, parameter for, for this kind of work, because when you're reacting to something, then that's the only thing that exists. something happens and if you react and that means just like that is your whole world but if you're able to like not react or if people well i don't know if that's exactly how you meant it but if you're able to not react that does imply that you have something bigger than this thing that you're actually identifying with and that this thing is not the whole world but it's secondary you know it's a secondary con. It's just like this thing of establishing something that's bigger and then continually trying to relate to that more. So that was what stuck out to me there in in your comments too.
6: Hmm.
5: And not to rush anything, I, I could segue into like the next phase of this process in the sutra. I don't want to rush anyone though. If I'm, I don't think this will change the topic too much which is just sort of like that our practice is this continual surrendering of what we're encountering in our waking state in order to establish this connection to this what we're calling universal consciousness in the text it might not be what we always call it you know the self our heart um you know s- state of being as our first form it's a continual process we're using our life and we're going to see that in the text here in just a moment to help us refine that the text can be interpreted a little bit more vedantically, where you see which means a little bit more black and white where it's like oh once you've gone there now you see the whole world as shiva that's just not very uh what would i say i just i can't relate to that very much um in terms of our lineage our lineage talks about a little bit differently but trying to uh pull these aspects together so we can really encounter this from our practice and i i got this quote from rudy um and at first it doesn't seem exactly to be uh, relating to it because it's talking about how we relate how we surrender um things that bind us things that cause us to suffer Um, but in reality The way that you encounter your waking life, most of the time, you know, is in terms of like, I need this, or I wish this wasn't this way, or etc. So like our waking state is usually identified by us feeling limited. So when you feel limited, when you feel like things just aren't quite right, aren't quite how you want them, you're in the waking state and you're prioritizing it right? And so when Rudy, Swami Janata talks about this state, this could be one way of interpreting it from his perspective. He says, your relationship to your suffering has to do with how much you feel the suffering. If you're above it, really reaching towards your enlightenment, that suffering is a warm thing that keeps the snow off of you. If you're complaining all the time, you're right in the middle of that fire, suffering, and there's no energy for you to grow above it. For any visual learners, take your time to read through that. This concept is familiar to us, but seeing it through the lens of the sutras has sort of for me awakened like a new layer of it you know it's i really feel like this is helping us understand our our work that we're already doing and deepen it so in this case the waking state would be equated with you know suffering things that bind you and if you have your focus on your enlightenment which just means your focus is on your growth your practice you really want to grow ideally wish to grow then that thing that's binding you now, this is like, the. for me, this is something I, I hope I really see one day with my whole heart. When you have that shift, you re-see the thing that's causing your suffering as a warm thing that keeps the snow off of you. I mean, how many times has Babaji and Satsang been like, I'm so grateful for all of your uh, stuff. Because it helps me grow, you know. He he says it all the time to us. Yes, anonymous
1: So this reminds me of a news story I saw, and I, I think it relates. So a newscaster was down, I think it was in Haiti after a hurricane and they were just devastated. And there was this woman with her child and there was it looked like a bomb gone off. And there was no food or water anything. And she was smiling and happy. And the newscaster asked her why she was smiling and happy. And her answer was because my daughter takes her cues from me. And I I just it really struck me because it wasn't a fake smile either. That somewhere here in all of the suffering, she was going to find something to be grateful for, so that her daughter could rise above it. And it, it just it just sort of reminds me of this.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Thank you, and I. My, I I didn't know if I saw another hand go up there, but thank you, Anandama. That was really helpful. Sometimes I think that it's hard to take that level of responsibility for our own well being, you know, but in a way, it almost feels like we're our own parents in our spiritual growth, where we're, our awareness itself can, like, is reaching for the higher path in order that it can, like, guide the rest of us there. You know, it does feel like we're our own. In a way, we have to, like, have to care, you know, really carry ourselves there, like. It's an interesting relationship. It's definitely why teaching pushes people to really open up inside more, because they want to be that guide for their students. You know, Baba Joyce's says teaching is, you know, pushes you to limits you weren't ever even, you didn't even know existed. Yeah. Any of you ever had that feeling of, of really using your practice and seeing this thing that was like burning you become a warm thing that keeps the snow off? Any of you relate to that, like that shift that has maybe occurred at some point in your
1: practice?
5: Sure, Bob, go for it.
2: I don't think that I could say it was like an on-off switch, but it was like water slowly coming to a boil uh, after going through very difficult parts of my life uh I would get to a point and say you know it's because of that happening to me that I am where I am now and things are so much better now than and I'm in a much better place now than I was when that was going on and before that was going on so um I definitely feel like that. Uh,
5: I see. So you're going a little bit bigger picture. Like it might not be in that moment, but you look back and see that that work you had to do, that that situation was forcing you to do internally, you can see was doing that. In fact, was like keeping the snow off of you in that time, keeping you.
2: Yeah, And and I'm able to feel grateful for Mm -hmm. the, the horrible things that happened to me. as the things that pushed me to where i am at this point so yeah
5: and to be specific you know in in these in these regards because some people some of us are might be newer to the practice it wasn't that you just had these things happen to you but that you these things happen and you used your practice to consciously work through them and that's what transmuted them you know Getting through the other side is no doubt an accomplishment, but it's just I want everybody you know that's listening to know that you're probably probably
2: referring to using your practice to getting through them yeah yes, yeah, well, my practice has been a part of my life for many years, and so yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs>
5: to our wakeful waking state jagamachi and then our sinanda great and i was about to talk more (laughs) no thanks
3: Uh, i just feel like it's really like relevant in this year in particular right like because i feel like a lot of people are just like feeling the tension of 2020 and like you know every all the pandemic and all the things that are happening but it's just like when we all get together and talk about it as like fuel for our growth and like how to work and how to surrender, it's just so refreshing, especially like when you're around people who are just like, I had everything and it's so horrible. And it's like, you can just feel how that tension pulls them down. We're like, we're letting that tension lift us up. And mm. that's that like warmth, it feels like.
5: Perfect, yeah. Absolutely, it couldn't be a more timely moment to encounter this sutra. Thanks for bringing that to the forefront. It's really true, and it's one of those things that can seem. It's this funny thing where it's it's not negating what's happening at all you know that's the part I think is a big leap that you can only sort of it's something you can't explain you just have to do the practice until you feel the shift feel a change in your life feel you know this other way of of being ever so slightly you know I'm not saying like oh you know you're just enlightened now and you see the world differently but you need to be able to almost just see that, that, that light has to come through a crack somewhere and then it starts to slowly, slowly grow, you know? But and that's why I feel like Babaji is always telling us to just, especially during the holidays, so he's telling us to be simple. Don't try and convert anybody. Even that's not really a term for yoga, but like, you know, not you don't have to be people's guide if they're not looking for a guide. You know, we're going to be talking to our family a lot this holiday season, and he always just tells us just love them, you know. Just do your own practice and just radiate that love from the inside. Let it spill over, and anybody who's paying attention will will see it, as the sutras have told us. sinanda did you want to? Um, you had a comment too.
4: Yeah, I was just going to add, I was really struck by what Anju said. I wrote it down that now she can sit in spaces that she couldn't sit in before. Um, That just really touched me. And when I um, saw this quote from Rudy, I think what, what I really felt was that, you know, when I'm in my suffering, my suffering is so fear-based, you know, it's so much about trying to control things in my environment, people in my space, um, trying to figure out how to alleviate other people's suffering um, and feelings are relatively helpless in this ever-changing world. Um, And for me, that, you know, that feeling of the warm thing is when my practice starts working on me and working within me and that fear just starts to dissolve and you know and that is really no small gift Um, this dissolution of fear Um, and it makes me feel like things are as they are like I can be in my life as it is and I can be with people as they are and I can reach higher and love more and fear less. And that sort of ties back, I guess, to the first prompt, too, of how have we changed, Um, but also how we live within our own suffering.
5: Thank you so much for sharing, Sunanda. That was really helpful. I think the, the idea of fear is particularly illuminating of the fact that most of our stress comes from within. Most of our stress is not what's occurring in the present. Um, it's something that we're holding. Uh, and, that some, and because of that, we have this tremendous opportunity uh, with our practice to dissolve, like you said, dissolution, to dissolve huge quantities of, of this. Whereas I was actually teaching meditation this morning in our training and talking about how Like only like 10%, it seems like of what's really getting to you is is out here. And we put 100% of our energy into resolving it out here. And so if you put 100% of your energy into 10%, the most you get back is 10%. Like 90%, it feels like is coming from inside. And so if you put your energy there, the yield is just tremendous. The same energy. You know, you can, you're just as good at resolving this stuff internally as you are externally. And our teacher would say we're more, we're more, more capable internally, because there's so little on the outside that we can truly change. You can't really change the person who's causing you to suffer very much. So we're even more effective. But even if we're just as effective, it's still so much more fruitful, the work that we do inside. Dharma.
6: So as I read the Rudy quote and sort of tap into what it feels like when I'm complaining and what complaining sort of feels like what I feel like in that moment. um, It's certainly taking a lot of energy to just operate from a place where something might be happening to me or just that I'm identified in a certain way with like tensions that I'm bringing to a situation and so I can certainly appreciate that um, it's much more effective to work with that detachment um, and that that complaining just immediately kind of does not allow for that detachment at all. There's no space there. I'm, I'm really in a place of grasping because um, again, it's like I've shut out what's possible and I've made it be a certain way. And I'm in relation to that situation, maybe as a victim or something that's just not allowing that sort of, you know, that, that
5: no bigger reality other than that thing. Yeah, it feels like you really are putting it in the forefront in that moment. Yeah, that's and I appreciated how you were uh, how you worked with the the feeling of complaining and like sort of went there and you know because that's really valuable you know just to relate to these concepts with like what we all know how to complain. <laughs> Every one of us knows exactly how to do that, and you can just feel it in an instant. And since there's nothing right in front of you, you can feel it and then drop it. And then it gives you a little bit of perspective on, on what, what, what was that? Now, the next time you're complaining, you know it'll be harder to drop it, but maybe you'll recognize the feeling. Because you're encountering it from this more objective place not that we like meditate on complaining stuff but the work of philosophy pushes us to encounter the many uh, the diverse atmosphere of our reality you know and it really helps us to just glance at it in this like lighter way <laughs> uh,
0: something that was um really powerful for me dharma while you were sharing I was like oh what a good idea you know to like work with what that feels like because that's literally what we've been saying the whole time um and as you were talking I realized like in the moment that I'm complaining it is like it sort of emerges inside like I feel this urge of like you know and it's it's like I'm not overtaken by it immediately it's almost like if i'm paying enough attention i can feel it emerge and then there's something in me like some deep some scar that's like "Ah, i just want to like ride that wave and if i let myself like it feels terrible but so often i just you know like that energy just like overtakes me and as you were sharing i realized like wow there is an instant when I like feel it arising like as I was doing the like test just now of imagining it I was like oh that's what it feels like in real life um and so I kind of feel excited now of like oh the next time that rises up like maybe I can actually recognize like oh here comes this big wave that I just really want to you know what happens if I just don't go there so um Thanks for the inspiration. That was really powerful for me.
5: It's funny this morning I actually guided a practice that utilized visualizing something, you know, that got under your skin I for wasn't a moment. There for so the <laughs> We could do that again.
0: Cool. Yeah. He probably wants me to complain less. So he's got like some personal
5: motivation. No, it was for definitely I thought it because I needed it. <laughs> I needed it for sure. The fun part of teaching you know (laughs) but um we have about we have about eight to ten minutes left um definitely happy to take one more comment but also ready to do a little bit of meditating together um with the time we have remaining so i'll leave the space open for a quick comment if anybody's waiting to get in there and as usual I have prepared uh, like six times more material than we went through in this class. So looking forward to uh, revisiting Sutra 3.8 with a whole other chunk of the Sutra uh, after the New Year, Um, So, um, because both of the next holidays fall on Thursdays. So we're just going to revisit it after the New Year. But before that. Uh, Let's get a few minutes of meditation and and, um, we'll take some time to to work with this in particular. So because we've been sitting for a while and, you know, it can be helpful to just really lightly wave the spine or rock the baby as we were doing it earlier, sort of rock the spine, get back in touch with the feeling of presence. And let yourself just rock to stillness, almost like the baby fell asleep and you're just trying to stop the rocking, but in a way that would never disrupt the experience. And hopefully you just arrive at center. Just let the breath slow down a little bit, you know, make it a little smoother just a little longer than normal so you can feel it. Swallow and then follow your next breath down towards the heart. And without making your breath very deep at all, just a normal breath, a little slower than normal. Try to feel the connection to the space of the heart. This space of the heart is a place that you can really work with just as much as you can work with anything outside of you. You can work with this space too. And you encounter the heart in whatever state it's in. And then you try to feel how you can open it a little more. Maybe there's something on the horizon for you. uh, Something that might cause a little stress or a little tension. And you can just consider that thing, that thing that you're going to have to work with or have to deal with. And you'll feel in your heart a reaction to that. And now, simply, work to open your heart in relation to that thing. that challenge exists. And with your next breath, expand, encompass it, grow your heart and shrink it by doing so. As we're always told, we're not pushing it away. We're not pulling it in. We're using it as fuel to grow our heart. As you allow the eyes to open, keep your gaze low for a moment. It's just really important for us to recognize that this is possible. Because the mind tells you it's not. That you can overcome and consume these tensions completely inside yourself and if you felt any sort of inch of that then you know it's possible because the thing is not in front of you and you just consumed it a little bit And so, as we encounter these things as the holiday seasons come, all we gotta do is just keep the internal fire burning and allow the situation to just allow the relate, allow the situation to. inspire your practice, which, of course, is how our tradition has always said, using your life for growth. But hopefully, today, we've looked at that in a few different ways that possibly have brought it more into the, your sphere of possibility. So, Namaste. Thank you, everyone, for making this class so special. It,
0: Happy holidays to you in the new year. Yeah. Aloha.
5: Aloha.